When something happens to your kitchen, you might say, This is ludicrous. But that won't fix your home. That will only get you the rapper, Ludicrous. Having trouble? Don't panic. Don't be alarmed. You need to file a claim? Holler at State Farm. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. That's right. You can file a claim on the app or call us. Thanks, Mr. Chris. No matter how ludicrous the situation, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. State Farm, Bloomington, Illinois. At State Farm, we're committed to uplifting black futures. In collaboration with organizations like 100 Black Men and National Urban League, State Farm provides high school students with the opportunity to learn and apply best practice strategies for saving and investing, all while offering academic support, life skills, and exposure to college access programs to prepare these students for life after high school. Check out 100blackmen.org and nul.org to donate and learn more. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. And so we looked at the endowments of uh, Ivy League schools. The smallest one we found of the Ivy League schools in America is $2.9 billion. Got it. That was the smallest of the endowments at the Ivy League schools. When we looked at the endowments of the HBCUs and we added up 70% of them, we still did not get $2.9 billion. So the resources, wow. the resources are not equivalent. And so the wow. options are not equivalent. So every time a student takes out an income contingent uh, alternative and they go out uh, and they start this process and they pay it back, they're successful out doing what they're doing. They're paying it forward for future HBCU students. They're doing what schools wow. would like them to do, which is to pay back right. into this vision. The same one that Booker T left us. 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 Booker T left us then let's talk about it. Ride with us on this all-black everything. Everybody, welcome back to Wild Black. That's where Art would normally say, welcome back, welcome back. Art's not with us tonight. He was uh, caught up in some other good stuff going on for him. So I am riding solo, but I got an amazing guest who I'm going to tell you about in just a second. Um, most of the time, we dive into our episodes pretty quickly. And today, I want to do something. I don't think I've done it in a while, but it's so important what we're talking about today. I kind of want to preface our interview with a little information, really something for you to chew on and kind of drive home why what we're talking about today is so important. Hugely important, as a matter of fact. It's about access to college and, and equally important. It's about access to the dollars to pay for college. And if you really think about it, those two factors have long-term impact on major issues such as the wealth gap, the amount of opportunity you get across your lifetime, and social mobility. The conversation we're having today really sprouted from billionaire Robert Smith and that critical moment of giving at Morehouse College in, I think, 2019. Now, if you don't remember, which you probably do remember because I remember sitting back thinking, man, how that would have impacted my world if this brother would have stood up at my graduation from Southern University, Baton Rouge, Louisiana, and offered to pay for 
everyone's, everyone's student debt. That's exactly what he did. Over 400 Morehouse graduates amounting to about $34 million. Family, that's real money. He gave $34 million to pay for some brother's education. That's how you invest in tomorrow, right? That's one of the things that you do on a major level to make sure that we are set up differently tomorrow than we are today. But before we dive into the episode, I really want to kind of ground you in some context and some stats. So follow me, and I'm going to take you on a little journey that's going to really ground in you how important what we're talking about today is. So we already know this, right? We already know this. There's some argument, but I'd say for the most part, college degrees are seen as one of the primary vehicles that we have for fighting poverty, for closing the wealth gap between black folks and white folks. Yet, the disparities that exist are alarmingly crazy. I'm talking about in K-12, I'm talking about in higher education, but I'm going to start with K-12. I'm going to read you some stats that I'll pull together. Peek this out. African-American students are less likely than white students to have access to college-rated courses. What does that look like? What does that mean? Only 57% of students, black students, have access to the full range of math and science courses necessary for college readiness. Now, compare that number to the 81% of Asian-American students and the 71% of white students. Now, even when we as black folks do have access to honors or advanced placement courses, we're still vastly underrepresented. Black and Latino students represent 38% of students in schools that offer AP courses, but only 29% of students enrolled in at least one AP course. Forget two or three, just one, right? We also have less access to the gifted and talented education programs. I've got a whole bunch of feelings about that because I've watched my children float in and out of these programs for years. And my children are straight A, straight a students. But it doesn't stop there. The disparities continue into higher education. I'm going to start here. We own, as black folks, more certifications than just about anyone else, 35% versus 21% for white folks. And, and what that means is of all certificates, all 100%, black folks are earning 35 while white folks are earning 21. The same story continues at the associate level. Black folks, 27% of associate degrees, white folks, 39, right? It gets worse at the bachelor's level. Black folks, 39% of bachelor's degrees. White folks, 54. Graduate, doctoral level, gets worse. Here's where it turns into like the concentration or the major. And, and think about the impact these numbers have on who's teaching, who's telling, who's creating the narrative to educate us along the way. Of all history degrees given out, only 8.7 are awarded to black folks while 22 are awarded to white students. What does that mean? Who's teaching history, right? Who has control over the stories that are told in our classrooms about history? Think about your education. Were you told about the, the Tulsa race riots? Did anyone talk to you about that in school? Did anyone tell you about Henrietta Lacks? Did anyone go any deeper than Martin Luther King, Malcolm X, and Rosa Parks? Some of us are lucky if we got that in college. I went to an HBCU, Southern University, Baton Rouge, Baton Rouge, Louisiana, and I was blessed with that. Thank you, Southern. I appreciate you. But I should have got it at 5, at 9, at 12. I should have got it along the way. Engineering, 
19% of engineering degrees go to black folks, 47 to white. Math, 5% black, 12% white. Agriculture, 3% black, 15% white. Think about these things. Education, 40%. Bigger number, I give you that. 40% of degrees in education go to black folks, but 66% go to white folks. Now, there's some intersectionality in there that kind of skews the numbers a little bit, but think about it this way. It has been proven that when a black student has at least one black teacher, the graduation rate goes up by 13%. That's an impact. Going back to what Robert Smith did that day in 2019 when he blessed those 400-something graduates with $34 million to cover their education costs. So hopefully you get it. This is important. And I don't want to talk you to death with stats, but I wanted to make it crystal clear. I wanted you to fully understand why this topic is important. No, not important, overly important. And let's double down on that. If we, have, if we as black folks don't have access to the resources, the dollars that make higher education possible, then how do we create the positive impact on all the stats that I listed above in our lives that we need. This is why what our guest today, Brother Mark Brown, the executive director of the Student Freedom Initiative, is here to talk to us about today. He's going to go into what his role is, how this organization is extending what Brother Robert did in the community to make it better for us. They're building bridges, literally and figuratively, to take us someplace better. Now, I've talked my head off already. How long have I been talking? Ooh, almost 10 minutes. That's a rarity on Wild Black for me to talk that much, but it's too important. I needed to ground you. But let me shut up. I'm going to bring in our guest. I'm going to let him tell you just a little bit more about himself. So family, please listen up. Pay attention. Brother Mark, the stage is yours, brother. Tell the people a little bit more about who you are and what you do, and then we're going to get into this thing. Hey, let me first uh, thank you for, uh, for what you just said, because you grounded us in fact, and the Student Freedom Initiative is a fact-based organization. Yes, right? sir. We make our decisions uh, based on data, uh, and we go where the data takes us, and the numbers that you just talked about are undeniable, yep. and they're not new, right? right? So that's, that's the platform. Uh, you know, I'll, I'll talk about uh, myself interveningly here as I talk about this uh, Student Freedom Initiative because it'll, it'll work that way. Um, so you're right. Class of 2019, 400 men of color mm. uh, in Atlanta, Georgia. Mm. Got a mm. great surprise that day, right? Mm. Uh, when Robert Smith used these words, liberation. Hey there. Ever thought about what makes your heart beat a little faster? Oh, you mean like when you discover a new track that just speaks to you? Yeah. Or finding a movie that you can't stop thinking about? Well, get ready to feel that excitement all over again because Amazon Prime is here to take your entertainment and shopping experience to the next level. Absolutely. Prime isn't just about getting your packages quicker. It's about diving into a world of endless possibilities, from the latest releases to exclusive content you won't find anywhere else. And don't even get me started on the music. Prime offers concert specials that will transport you right to the front room. It's like being at the hottest gigs without leaving your living room. I use Prime to tap in with some of my favorite artists' live shows from any and every genre of music. Trust me, Prime is a game changer. It's like having a personalized superstore and entertainment hub right at your fingertips. So why wait? 
head over to amazon.com forward slash prime and start experiencing entertainment like never before. Liberating those students who had already put skin in the game, if you will. They were graduates. At State Farm, we're committed to uplifting Black futures. In collaboration with organizations like 100 Black Men and National Urban League, State Farm provides high school students with the opportunity to learn and apply best practice strategies for saving and investing, all while offering academic support, life skills, and exposure to college access programs to prepare these students for life after high school. Check out 100blackmen.org and nul.org to donate and learn more. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Of, of right. the amazing Morehouse College. Now, it what were they amazing. going to be able to do with those degrees? That's the question, right? Are they going to be able to go out and pursue their passions? Or are they going to spend a lifetime paying for that degree, strapped with debt? He wanted to liberate them and let them pay it forward and go out and follow their passions without the fear of debt. And so he did exactly as you explained. He paid it off. He paid it off for them. And he found out that that also meant he was paying it off for their parents because their parents had many times co-signed in what's called the Parent Plus program. Mm. Now, at the time, there was no Student Freedom Initiative. This became the vision for the Student Freedom Initiative because as he went to do that, And he's a man of vision. Robert F. Smith is a man of vision and also of scale. He doesn't want to do things singularly, but to scale. Right. He said, this is great if you happen to be in that class of 2019. But like you spoke about Southern, Southern graduated a class that year. My alma Mm -hmm. mater, Tuskegee, Tuskegee Mm -hmm. University, Tuskegee, previously Tuskegee Institute, they graduated a class of 2019. Grambling did the same. Spellman did the same. Howard did the same. Tougaloo did the same. All of these HBCUs did. And it's likely that the framework for them was the same as it was for the class of 2019. Who's going to liberate them? That's right. They all needed the same thing, is, is the point. And so it became the vision. At the time, I was serving as the chief operating officer for the Department of Education, which meant I had what we often hear referred to in the media uh, as the student loan crisis. I have this mm. student loan portfolio. That portfolio is $1.7 trillion of, of loans and grants, aids, those kind of things. And we talk about it as $1.7 trillion, but one-third of that is distressed, defaulted, delinquent. Mm. Bad, bad paper, as they would say, in the banking business. It's overrepresented by who? By people of color. Uh, the 65% of the students on an HBCU campus use what's called a Parent PLUS loan which means you take your financial aid award stack. And I don't want to get too technical here, but just think about it. You've gotten your needs-based grant. You've gotten your work study. You maybe even have a federal student loan, but there's still a gap in your education. The only thing you can do is if your parents will sign for one additional loan, the Mm. Parent PLUS loan. But remember who the person is that got that financial aid award package. Their family was probably living at a financial edge that was not that much above poverty, therefore they qualified. Right. Now think about this for you and for your audience. Do you give a man without any money a loan, a traditional mm. loan? That's not a bad, that's not a good proposition. But right. the Title IV program guarantees access to education. We got the wrong tool yes. uh, for this demographic and for the folks that are in that situation. 
hence the Student Freedom Initiative and the vision for what we want to do. Mm-hmm. And, here, and here is what it is. We do four things. Uh, and that first one is what Robert Smith did at Morehouse, we need to figure out how to do that to scale. So we offer what's called an income contingent agreement for juniors and seniors majoring in STEM at historically black colleges and minority serving institutions. And I'll tell you why STEM in a minute. We offer up to $20,000 as an alternative each academic year, the junior year and the senior year, as an alternative to Parent PLUS. Instead of indebting your parents, take the $20,000. How does it work? Well, if you uh, are going to go to grad school, you don't pay that forward when you when you when you go to grad school because we're doing you, you what? Know, you know, Mark, ho- hold on one second. I, I want to do something before we because I, I want us to to get into the details and then I want us to live there. But before okay. we get there, I want to take a step back and I want to go back and do what we call wild black shit here. All okay. of our listeners expect right. it. <laughs> Normally, <laughs> it's to, it's to get our guests relaxed and ready. But my brother, you came ready. <laughs> You don't need no relaxation, but I do want to go through it. It's going to connect you okay, to the sure, audience, sure, sure. and we're going to have some fun, and then we can dive into all the details. All right, you okay. ready? You bet. It's three questions. The first two are fun, good time, laid back. The last is our signature question for Wild Black. The first question is this. All right, we're talking about college, the struggle of college, college debt, right? And that means we got to talk about how we overcome the struggle. So think about this. What are the top ways you can think of that a college student can make the money they need to get by? Legally, or at least mostly legal, what, what, what top three ways do you have for college students to generate the funds they need to survive, to live, to eat? Absolutely. I, I, will, I will throw them out, and uh, not hard to do because I was that student. Mm-hmm. So, so uh, internships. A yep. college student, every college student should have an internship, at least two, before they get out of school. Yep. And those that internship does what? It puts money in your pocket while giving you a skill. But I want right. to be careful about this because I'm not advocating for unpaid internships. Right. I'm advocating for paid internships. Money, money, two money, money. paid internships and establish a relationship. Second thing is they ought to research grants and and um, all types of, of, of scholarships for the space that they are in. They need to really research that. Leave no money on the table. Leave no money on the table. Get the bag, then, the whole bag, and nothing but the bag, baby. <laughs> and, when it, and when you are a junior or senior, you learn how to master the free application for federal student aid, which mm-hmm. is a Title IV funding, and you apply for it. Now, if you think you're going to get a lot or little, you still apply for it I because that. that opens the door. Uh, for you to go do all those other things that you want to do. Now, we're living in an amazing time. I know you asked me for three, but I got to just tell you this. We're living hit in a world em, where entrepre- entrepreneurship is, is, is it. I met a, I met a student uh, when I, in my previous job as chief operating officer in the AU Center. Let me tell you, he was a grad student. He threw bags for Delta. He drove Uber. Uh, and, he had, and he had a work-study job. Love it. I don't, I don't know how he went to school, but I tell you what, if he ever graduates and I'm in a position to hire him, I want to hire him because he knows how to hustle, right? He knows how to grind. And let's face it, no matter what job you go into and what, no matter space you go into, those are attributes you want. So uh, let's, let's not expect easy. Let's Love go it. for the grind. You know what? I'm so glad you're here because you just blessed the audience with some solid answers because I was going to tell them to do like I did. I promoted parties. 
I found my way to the dollar menu at McDonald's. I lived off of McChickens, and I learned how to cut hair. So my ways worked, and they were legal, but I, I got to say, your, yours are a bit better. So I appreciate that. But that's the that. grind, right? <laughs> that you is. learn the grind. That is. You learn the grind and the grind. That, that hustle right. I picked up then, I still hustle with right now. And it's Absolutely. paid off in, in multitudes. I, I couldn't be happier. All right, question number two. We're still in the yep. college days, right? So now we're going to think back to your college days, to when, to when you was a, a youngin' on campus, to when you were trying to get to the club or get to the girl. Don't, don't say any girls now. I want to get you in no kind of trouble. <laughs> but tell me this. When you were in college, what was the hottest song out? What was the one that had you on the dance floor looking for whomever you wanted to dance with? What was the song for you? Now, that's, that's going to be hard. I was, when I was in college, I was president of Alpha Phi Alpha. At okay. Gamma Phi chapter at Tuskegee. And I will tell you from a biased position, we threw the best parties <laughs> that you could possibly throw on HBCU campus. And we packed in the in the uh, in all of the folks at a, at a place called the Twenty Grand Club, uh, and there was a couple of songs that if you played them, that was it. Yep. That shut the party down. Um, there used to be a song called "I Heard It Through the Grapevine," uh, and you you might not know it. I heard it through the grapevine. I, I know it well. But I heard it through the grapevine, and every version of the remix would shut the party down <laughs> at the Twenty Grand Club in Tuskegee, <laughs> Alabama, and we loved it. We loved it. <laughs> Did the 20 Grand Club happen to sell fried chicken or fried fish? If you go to Tuskegee, Alabama, look, look, let me just make this clear to you, because you might go through there and one day you need to check this out, and your viewers might need to check this out. <laughs> it's called the Chicken Coop. Now, everybody that hears this and ever been in Tuskegee knows what I'm talking about, because this is where you get your chicken. The Chicken Coop. The Chicken Coop has the best fried chicken in the United States of America, I tell you, and you don't need but a few dollars to get it, but it is some really good fried chicken. But yeah, we did. Listen. And uh, you could get that uh, going in and out of the 20 grand club. Uh, and, you know, I, I love it. College is, college is a hard lot of work. You need to study hard. Uh, but I truly believe you ought to have a balanced life. Yes. And, uh, and, and it's possible. Yes. It's possible to do it, both. It, it is. I, I, had, I had balance in undergraduate especially after my father dropped the hammer and insisted <laughs> on some balance. Thankfully, I listened, graduated with my degree in civil engineering and have gone on since. But that freshman year, my, my balance was a little off. But they, yeah. they, they got me right. They got me right. Okay, <laughs> third question, signature question on Wild Black. What do you love most about life, Wild Black? So here's what I, here's what I love. And you, 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 you touched it uh, a little bit at the beginning of your, your opening remarks. Mm -hmm. um, and, and maybe our audience is with us, and this is even for an audience broader in, in the country. Do you ever think or reflect back on who you are? You know, At State Farm, we're committed to uplifting Black futures. In collaboration with organizations like 100 Black Men and National Urban League, State Farm provides high school students with the opportunity to learn and apply best practice strategies for saving and investing, all while offering academic support, life skills, and exposure to college access programs to prepare these students for life after high school. Check out 100blackmen.org and nul.org to donate and learn more. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there.
when I came into uh, it, when I was in school as a freshman, there was a mandatory class that you had to take every freshman. It was African American studies at Tuskegee Institute, which has since become Tuskegee University. Mm-hmm. And when you came in, my instructor, who was Dr. Fluker, I still remember his name, would would get into what we would now call your personal space mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and would and would ask you, who are you? Who are you and where are you from? That was before we had who are you and where are you from? (laughs) Most of us got the question wrong Mm. and got the answer wrong. Excuse me. Most of us got the answer wrong. And then he began his class and he took us back to West Africa. He took Mm. us back to the sub-Sahara and he took us back to who we were and why we ought to have so much pride Mm. in where we are, what we've overcome and how we have just developed this internal uh, fortitude, I will call it, that ought to mean there are a few things in the world that we can't overcome. Mm. That's who we are. You know, genes mm. are a strong thing. They run way back. And and for people of color, your genes and who you are should make you feel incredibly proud. Uh, and so shows like yours that remind us of that. We happen to be in Black History Month. But yeah. You know, Black History Month is every month. That's right. Uh, for, for, for some of us. We ought to take great pride I will tell you one. I stayed in the Air Force for 32 years, and I, I retired as a major general. Mm-hmm. But let me tell you the most inspirational thing that took me from cadet to there was the picture on the wall of the Tuskegee Airmen, mm. right? The famed Tuskegee Airmen who were a test, yeah. who were a test to see if people of color could fly. Mm. They didn't just fly. Uh, they flew their way into the history books forever to be realmed by the Air Force and, and by the nation. Right. So what makes me proud? I know who I am. Mm, I feel I comfortable that. with who I am. And I am incredibly proud of that. Uh, and, and I think that that uh, shouldn't be uh, just my opinion or my right. view. I think people of color should be incredibly proud of who they are, where they came from, and the shoulders they stand on. Mark, that might be one of the best answers we've ever gotten for that question, brother. I appreciate that. And, and, and it even took me back when you were talking about the professor in your space. I can remember I, I started undergraduate in 1994. And if you went on a road trip and you didn't stop for a Big Mac or drop a crispy fry between the car seats or use your McDonald's bag as a placemat, then that wasn't a road trip. It was just a really long drive. At participating McDonald's. I still remember how teachers, the good ones, right, the ones I can look back on now and think, man, that teacher changed me. And some of them I knew they were changing me then. They didn't give two dams about my personal space. They got in my face. They got close to me. Personal space was not invented yet. That's what I think. (laughs) They got in it to make sure I knew not only who they were and what they were going to do for me, but who I was, where I came from, who I was that day, and who I was going to become with the responsibility of ensuring that the black men and the black women behind me knew who they were. I love that answer. All right, I'm going to move into our dope quote. We'll talk about it real quickly, and then we'll move into the core interview. And for our listeners, you already know the dope quote is something from history, religion, science, math, entertainment, typically from the mouth of someone black, but it has relevance and pertains to the topic today. So I want to read this quote to you and then get your thoughts. The quote is this. Education is our passport to the future. For tomorrow belongs to the people who prepare for it today. 
Education is our passport to the future, for tomorrow belongs to the people who prepare for it today by Malcolm X. When you hear that, Brother Mark, what comes to mind for you? Yeah, what, what comes to mind is, is actually so much related <laughs> to what we are trying to do. Mm-hmm. It, it's been proven. It's been proven. The data is there uh, that the quickest way to, tr- to, tr- to close a gap of earnings uh, and your social status, if you will, economic status mm-hmm. in the world, what you're able to do for yourself, uh, for your children, for your family, for the generations to come, uh, is through education. Yep. That's the, that's the way to do it, through education. And so investing, and you started with K through 12, investing in early exposure to the sciences, investing in those creative minds, um, means that that is how they're going to form the future. That is exactly how they are going to, not just for themselves. And I think if you read that, you might think for yourself, this is the way to get yourself a better future. Mm-hmm. I think while that's true, I'll step back a little bit. This is in the national interest, what we are talking about. Education is the passport to a greater, not just black America, the United States of America yeah. in the future. Yeah. This is the passport. What I'm saying is, is what ought to be in the national interest. The, the, the reason I say that, the reason I say that quote, Malcolm X quote, right, is a passport. Think about this piece. The last census told us that America is browning at a rapid pace. Yep. Essentially. What we call majority, minority, those words we use so loosely, will either be interchanged or not used at all. That's right. Uh, in, the, in the lifetime of our children. Yeah. If not ours, but in the yeah. lifetime of our children. They expect so by 2048 the, case, the country's flipped, and in major cities, it's already happened now in many major cities. Your medical care, yep. walk into a doctor's office. Your scientists, those people who are working diligently to solve the pandemic today, those every I could the scientists, the engineers, the flight managers, the leaders, the entrepreneurs, the ones running business, they are most likely, given the data, going to be what? People of color. That's it. Education, investing in education, Brother Malcolm got it right. He was visionary as well. That's right. Is the passport to the future. But just remember that you can't pick and choose who you decide to educate. Yeah. Right? Yeah. I'm education of the masses. So Brother Malcolm all said, also said, each one teach one. Right? Yeah. And so we also need to make sure uh, that those who we may see as uh, disadvantaged today in large numbers are not left out of the train that's going forward yeah. when we talk about education for the future. So it's everyone, yeah. uh, not just the privilege. Education has, should have nothing to do with your zip code. I it should that. be a, a, a right, a birthright, especially yeah. in a country as great as ours. Yeah, I, I think that is an amazing segue to dive into the work that you, Brother Mark Brown, and the Student Freedom Initiative are doing. So let's, let's start this part of the interview with this, this simple question. What is the Student Freedom Initiative? You bet. The Student Freedom Initiative is a 501c nonprofit organization founded on the vision of Robert F. Smith to liberate students from debt, including all of the wraparound services that increase their probability of success mm. in the end. Mm. And there are four pieces to it. 
I started speaking about one earlier, and that is we want to provide an alternative. It's called an income contingent alternative to parent plus loans. We want students at HBCUs that are juniors and seniors that are majoring in STEM to not get caught in the debt trap of parent plus loans because those loans do not do well uh, and they don't have good outcomes for our students. So what we are suggesting is that they sign an income contingent alternative uh, that doesn't indebt their parents. It's up to 20000 per academic year. If they go to uh, grad school, then they don't pay anything while they're in grad school. They're liberated to go do that. If they want to go teach in a Title I school, I live in D.C. Title I school is out in Anacostia, needs-based school. Mm -hmm. If that school doesn't pay above the poverty line, they don't pay anything. They continue to do what they what the, what their passion tells them to do. And if Mark, it's to teach say chemistry, it again. Let's, let's make sure we got that. If they go to certain places and don't make certain amounts of money, there's no financial repayment at that point. Did I get that they, right? They will not pay. They will not pay until they're earning above the poverty level. So if they if they decide to go somewhere because that's what they want to do, they're not yeah. going to pay. Now, if they do go to uh, a job, let's say they're making eighty thousand dollars a year and and they needed ten thousand while they're in college, they would pay two point five percent of their income mm -hmm. uh, until the ten thousand is is depleted. Now, I want to make sure I make a point, though. They're not paying the Student Freedom Initiative. Uh, we're a 501c organization. Right. Here's the model. They're paying into a fund. Mm -hmm. And as that fund grows, with both donated capital and resources coming back from the students, our intent is to leave that fund there in perpetuity so that historically black colleges and universities, those STEM majors, well after we are personally done doing this, they can go back to that fund as an endowment without walls. Mm. And those students never, ever again in those categories have to get into the debt trap of parent plus loans. Mm. That's where we're at with this. Mm. And so when our chairman says in perpetuity and to fix it forever, that's what he's saying. Mm. He's saying not just the students at Morehouse College. We're glad we did that. Right. He's saying Mississippi Valley State, STEM majors, endowment without walls. Wow. So, okay, Toodaloo, I, I got to say it. this again. I, I just want to make sure I got it because I think it's so powerful. As a student, I gained this award. In, in lieu of potentially a student loan, I graduate. I only start to pay it back if I make over a certain amount of money. Therefore, I, I'm deemed to be able to afford to pay it back. But I'm right. not paying interest like I would in a student loan. I'm basically... No paying it forward, I'm gifting my dollars with, so, with some markup into a pot of funds that then exists for the next me, for the students behind me. It, do I have that right? You, you got it exactly right. Think oh, about man. this. Think about this. What man. do colleges tell you when you graduate? When colleges tell you when you graduate, most students, they say, um, hey, we want you to become an alumni that donates back to your school. Yeah. Right? And some do and some don't. But that's a that's a pretty common thing. Well, although that those resources were used to pay for your college, mm -hmm. because of the way that you did it, you're going to be donating back to the future. Mm -hmm. We like to say you're going to be paying it forward. Yeah. You're going to be paying it forward. Now, why, why, why create something like this? What's the bigger picture here? Uh, and I'll talk about the wraparound services that go with this. Absolutely. 
the historically, so we're focused on the student, but we're also focused on the school. That we going to this these HBCUs is a privilege and an honor. Right. They produce great students who great great things. They produce you. Right. Right. So we want that to live also in perpetuity. And so here, when when we looked at the endowments, you know, sometimes if a student is short at a particular school, they can get an endowed scholarship, and they don't indebt themselves. And so we looked at the endowments of uh, Ivy League schools. The smallest one we found of the Ivy League schools in America is $2.9 billion. Got it. That was the smallest of the endowments at the Ivy League schools. When we looked at the endowments of the HBCUs and we added up 70% of them, we still did not get $2.9 billion. So the resources, wow. the resources are not equivalent. And so the wow. options are not equivalent. So every time a student takes out an income contingent uh, alternative, and they go out uh, and they start this process and they pay it back. They're successful out doing what they're doing. They're paying it forward for future HBCU students. They're doing what schools wow. would like them to do, which is to pay back right. into this vision. The same one that Booker T left us, right? The same one mm. where, we were, where we were taking care of ourselves, right? We were taking care of ourselves. The students at Tuskegee built the school themselves by the bricks outside of class. Right. They built Tuskegee themselves with right. their hands. The students did. And so we're telling the students, build your, yes, your future is important and we want to help assure it, ensure it. But better yet, when you pay it forward, you're insuring it for others as they come. And, and you know that an HBCU education is more than just an education. Yes, it it's is. It's an experience, right? Yes, it is. It's an investment and an experience. So that's the first thing we do uh, with the income contingent alternative. We also have a platform called InternX. And, and your, your viewers may be, uh, listeners may be familiar with Indeed, which is uh, a jobs platform. Mm -hmm. Well, consider this Indeed for HBCU students. Uh, this platform has Fortune 500 companies in it, uh, almost a little bit over, actually 200, has just over 14,000 HBCU students already aligned. The companies are held accountable for the types of internships. They need to be paid internships. They need to include stretch assignments, mm -hmm. visibility into the C-suites, and they're monitored by the Fund2 Foundation, another organization mm -hmm. of philanthropy that, that belongs to uh, Robert F. Smith. And so the point is this, yes, on the income contingent agreement, but also yes, on the job preparation. We want to match these students to companies, and we want the companies to be socially responsible for not just a job in the mailroom, but a stretch assignment. Right. And I'm not against the mailroom, but if right. you're if you're an engineering student and you're going somewhere for the uh, for an internship, you need to be a practitioner of what it is that you're trying to get your degree in. Right. That's right. that's right. the point. You're getting ready. Right. You're interning, getting ready. Because to internships be an are about dollars, but also applicable, relevant, buildable, transferable skill building preparing you. Yes. Right? We we know that, and we also know that, and as I said, we're data-centric. We know that even though students are often hired by companies, they don't persist with those companies mm. uh, because of how they feel accepted or how they are challenged or how they're managed. And so we want the company to be socially responsible when they hire them and put them in the kinds of jobs uh, that inspire the student to go forward. Right. That's how you close this gap. Good jobs, high-earning jobs, and, and less debt. The third thing that we do in our other services, uh, I just want to talk about micro grants. Everything we do is a matter of philanthropy. Mm -hmm. Of the things that I've named so far, uh, they don't cost the HBCU a dime. We don't 
charge the HBCU a dime for anything I've said so far, including this one. Uh, it's underwritten by Prudential. It's called the HELP Program, helping students with everyday life problems. And so this is not a uh, anything that anyone pays back. But if a student runs into an emergency, an unexpected thing, the car breaks down, um, uh, there's a death in the family, I need a plane ticket home, uh, the camera on my computer doesn't work, uh, they can apply for a grant if they're one of our first nine cohort one schools. Uh, that grant can be up to $500 that we're involved with. We'll pay 75% of it. The school will pay 25% of it. Here's the point. Persist through the emergency and then persist to graduation. I love Many that. of those loans that aren't paid is because the student can't persist to graduation because of emergencies. And everybody goes, well, yeah, what's a, what's a broken down car? Yeah, you can get past that. Maybe not. Right. Yeah, right. I, I would be careful and use a little empathy in thinking about this or the financial situation a student may come from. And, right. and we know for a fact that students don't come back to school. If you were at Southern, I'm sure you know someone who just didn't come back. I do. And sometimes it's not tuition related. It's real life, family, emergency, unexpected problems yeah. uh, that we want. Look, uh, we, are, we are an organization that is focused on persistence to graduation. These emergencies are in the way of persisting. And so we partnered with Prudential. Uh, we put that program, it's operational right now at our first nine schools that are inside of cohort one. We you, believe it will help. You know, I, I, I love that because one, one, number one and number two, right? The, the first intern X and, and the fund itself, I absolutely love them, right? But there, there's something special that kind of, that kind of really grabs at the humanity inside of people with this micro grant program. The fact that you're, what, what you're saying is not only am I going to help you get through school, but I see you, right? I, I see the things that you have to overcome on your journey. I'm sensitive to the things that you have to manage and how they impact your ability to persist through this education. And, and, and that's, so important. I mean, it actually, to me, it, it borders right alongside with like mental health and wellness because there are exactly all right. these things that impact us. I, I mean, I remember being in school and I have, I have lived a life of privilege and I've been blessed my, my entire life. And, and I'm grateful to my parents for being able to position me like that. But even with that, right, as a, as a young man who was building on his own and who had pride, who needs an alarm in the morning when McDonald's has sausage, egg, and cheese McGriddles and a breakfast cutoff? Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. I still had struggles that I didn't always have help with. Now, in my case, it was because I didn't always ask. But I also saw many of my friends who had real-life problems that just because they were an hour, two hours, ten hours away at school, those problems still found them. And they still right. had to find a way to manage through the additional stress that they brought on. And when you are stressed, you cannot perform. And when you're stressed too far, too hard and too long, your entire trajectory changes. I, I, I had roommates who were intelligent, super smart, diligent, worked hard, and life is what kept them from graduating when all they may have needed was 400 bucks, 200 bucks. That's right? right. Everything is That's not a $10,000 problem. I, I love that. Love it. You're exact. You're exactly right. And you know, everyone says, "Well, where's the, 
where's the business model in that? Let me let me just help you with where the business model is in that. What it, what will be the earning power of that person if they can persist to graduation? Mm-hmm. What talent are we leaving on the side because of minor things? What will they choose to do if they can't be in school? Will mm-hmm. it be negative or positive? It could be either. Yeah, it could be either. And so overcoming that probably changes, or at least it keeps them on the trajectory. Yeah. I had a roommate, and and I don't want to 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 give his name, but I had a roommate who was uh, smart enough to be in his uh, second year of electrical engineering. Mm-hmm. And uh, so he could be an electrical engineer, uh, but he couldn't get registered. Mm. And so he dropped out of school and went back home. And are we? how well are we represented in the engineering world with people of color? Right. If you, if you, are, if you are good enough in your academics, disciplined enough, to go through your studies, uh, and in this great country, we let you go home for $400, or we let you go home because you can't get the plane ticket, or we can't get you back, I think we can do better than that. And at the Student Freedom Initiative, we want to do better than that. We, we want to say to our students, uh, we don't just see you, we know you. Yeah. And, and, and we want to meet you where you are uh, and provide the assistance needed and the guidance needed for a good yeah. outcome in your college experience. Yeah, uh, and that's that's the vision of the Student Freedom Initiative. The last thing is uh, of those four things I said is that we invest in the school itself, the HBCU uh, and minority-serving institutions. But our initial cohorts are just HBCUs, uh, and we do things like improve their campus cybersecurity. We partner with companies like Cisco uh, and uh, Computex. They are two of our partners. I'll just name those. Uh, Cisco gifted us with 150 million dollar gift that would help us secure the IT systems of every historically black college and university in the country unless they opt out. You said 150 so million? 150 million. 50, 50 of that million. was in wow. cash and 100 million was in kind for a total of 150 million. And, and That's this not is the real. average donation. We're on the brother. ground. Wow. We're on the ground in, in places like Prairie View and Xavier. And Dillard. And mm-hmm. what are we doing? We're examining the IT systems to see if they will pass the federal requirements. We're developing a gap analysis of the difference in where they are and where the federal security requirements require them to be. Ordering the materials, preparing and fixing if it's hardware or software, whatever the solutions are. And then giving 12 months of maintenance from that point that they reach security for it. And there's no, no cost at all to it. Mm. Why does it matter, right? Why did we take that particular thing to do? Campus cybersecurity. Well, as you know, cyber uh, cyber crimes are on the rise, right? Right, all over, all industries, not just education. The Department of Education, before I left, said every school has to become cyber secure by federal standards, which is an expensive venture, or or you put at risk the Title IV funding, the needs based financial aid funding that they send to you through your technical system, right? For that, that's 90% of the students at an HBCU. Wow. You shut off Title IV funding, you close the school down. Wow. So when we talk about when we talk about securing the school and building its capacity, the IT systems at the schools have to be secure. That's what this gift is all about. We're very grateful for the philanthropy of Cisco and Computex. And we've got people on the ground doing this business for every HBCU in the country at zero cost unless they opt out. Uh, for some other reasons. I love it. But by, by this point of the of the interview, 
why black family, especially, especially, especially if you have a, a child who is approaching college age, in college. Hell, if you have a child who's five, you need to be on your computer, going to the website, gathering the information, arming yourself with all of this data that's going to prepare you for what is inevitably coming tomorrow, right? At some point, at least my prayer is that my children attend and graduate from college. Whether they use their degree in that capacity or not, the educational experience, the things that they pick up, I want my children to have. We need to be associated with programs like this. You need to understand Actually, programs like this aren't a thing. You need to understand that this is the program that is setting the bar for what we hope will happen in the future as we as a community continue to invest in our own. This is the type of thing that we need to be up on. So, Mark, I want to I take a step into the future now. Let's, let's think about this. Right. Let's think about a world where the Student Freedom Initiative has been so successful, has, has, has changed so many lives, has invested in so many universities that we find ourselves in a position where it's no longer needed, right? Because even while Black, I created this show to inject information into our community to help us on our trajectory, to keep us becoming better. At some point, I'm hopeful that between what I'm doing and what other outlets are doing, we're no longer even needed. Now we're just wanted. But let's go to that point in the future, 10 years, 20 years, 100 years, whatever that time frame is. What does the world look like when you all have done your job? What the world looks like when we've done our job is that I started by telling you that 65% of students on an HBCU campus need a Parent PLUS loan to close the gap on their education. The federal government can shut that program down mm -hmm. for HBCU students because they will have a better option. A better option that does not indebt them the way that that option does. But better yet, better yet, on an HBCU campus, we will have invested enough, and, and, and enterprise will have joined us. Private enterprise would have, would have joined us mm -hmm. in a manner uh, that things like the digital divide that keeps us an HBCU from uh, pivoting to virtual classrooms and those kind of things under situations like the one that we're in now with the pandemic, mm -hmm. those will be things of the past. Almost every HBCU will be subtitled with a global campus. Mm. Uh, and, and we'll be educating uh, students from, uh, from the continent uh, of, of Africa at the same time we're also educating students in our local communities. Mm. Uh, we'll be doing adult education uh, virtually uh, because of the digitized systems that we now, that we now have. Right. Uh, and the students, the students, instead of taking that uh, $450 a month, I'm just going to use that number, right. and paying it against a loan uh, where there, where it has become an issue of negative amortization, meaning they are just paying interest, to, which, which some income-driven repayment plans, that $450 uh, will be buying stock. Right. Uh, it, right. We will be attacking this wealth gap. That money mm. will be redirected or some portion of it to building wealth for the future. That's, mm. That gets to the vision uh, that Robert F. Smith, Mr. Smith has, is that what was being used to finance debt, sometimes in a negatively amortized way, right. will be using to grow wealth 
in a community where the divide has not gotten better in the last, you name it, right. 50 years, right? And actually has gotten worse in that time frame. That's exactly right. So how do we, how do we free up that capital, educate ourselves so that it can be redirected in growing wealth? And still get the value of a college degree from those institutions that were here for us uh, when we weren't allowed in others. Wow. That's amazing. Just just to that point, I saw a report yesterday or the day before, and I I don't remember the duration. I think it was the last year or two years, um, definitely associated with the pandemic. And it talked about earning power and income in the black community had gone up. Relatively significantly. Now, still lower than other communities, but it had gone up. And in that same time frame, other communities went up and so did their wealth. Our income went up, but our wealth went down even further. So I'm so glad to see that you all are not just investing in momentary education, not just investing in the number behind graduation rate, but you all are investing in the future, right? In the, in the children today and helping them to invest in the children tomorrow. You're investing in their mental well-being, their ability to overcome issues, their ability to pay for school, their ability to invest in others, and you're investing directly back into the schools themselves. Brother, it, it, is there anything you're not doing? Like, like wh- what's the next evolution? What does Student Freedom Initiative 2.0 look like? Like, what's left to do? <laughs> I'll give you, I'll give you, there's lots of work, as you know. Right. And I'll give you one thing that interests us as we continue to develop and, and, um, and try and seek those things that are in the way of, of uh, our people uh, and their future, I would say. Mm-hmm. Um, we are incredibly interested in the digital divide. Uh, in other words, uh, outside of the gates of our HBCUs, the communities that they're in, how we make sure that those communities are connected in a way that allows them to, to participate in the economy. Mm-hmm. Uh, that normally uh, means 5G needs to run right. uh, almost uh, as, a, as any other utility would with equal access to all people. You know, when you look at uh, the founding of HBCUs and you look at where they're located uh, and the second land grant that established them, just think about where most HBCUs are. Think about where they are located in the cities. I spent last week, uh, the last seven days prior to getting back home on Monday, in my car in Mississippi, driving from one HBCU to the next. I visited every HBCU in the state of Mississippi mm. as a part of our campaign. Uh, and at times, uh, my cell phone was all but dead. I know it was, uh, especially up there around Valley State. That's exactly right. So you've been there. You know where I I'm have. talking about. So think of this. Imagine this picture. Pandemic. Go home. Hey, I'm going to give you a Chrome laptop, mm-hmm. right? I'm going to give you this, and you're going to be able to go to class. It's a paperweight when I get mm-hmm. home because of the digital divide. Yeah. My yeah. access. But beyond that, it's it, for companies, for people wanting to do business there, these environments, unless, unless we close the digital divide, we lock off a piece of our community from the economy and for participating in education and business and everything else. Yeah. So in our minds, we believe that the HBCU has also been an economic hub 
for its communities. Many times it's the largest employer. It's probably the most advanced, depending on what community it is. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. We would love to see that HBCU hub also be the producer and, and a sister in spreading that 5G connectivity right. and clo helping close this digital divide. We have strategies for that. Uh, we'll come back to talk to you in the future in more Please. detail, but we have strategies for that, and we have pilot programs that are coming out for that. That deals with the economic distance between us and others, and that's that's why we believe it's on the horizon. I love that you have strategists working in place thinking about tomorrow. Like I It's something that I talk about all the time. So many of us operate in the now and you have to be present, but your present has to be focused on your tomorrow as well and strategist, building strategy to accomplish the things that you know you'll have to do tomorrow is so important. Uh, we're, we're nearing the end and I want to talk about families a little bit. So for, for the families right now, really beginning to think about how do we overcome these issues? How do we avoid the parent plus loan? How do we make sure that our child, our son, our daughter is positioned to get over, successfully over, the small things that could potentially wipe them out from school? How do they begin to dig into the work that you all do and get closer to it? So uh, that's a great question. I would urge uh, the audience to go to studentfreedominitiative.org uh, and, and, and go through our website and learn of where we're at, what we're doing, and how they can be engaged when their student is ready to go to school. Mm. Uh, but I would also urge them to do what is sometimes difficult in our community, and that is to sit down at the table and talk about money. Yeah. Um, and and how and what is our plan and what is our strategy? Yeah. And uh, I think that the loan itself is sometimes a default position uh, for the lack of a strategy going in. Uh, and we've all been there. Money is hard to talk about, especially when it's not plentiful. Right. Yeah. yeah. It's hard to talk about. But I think the earlier that conversation is had. Um, based on the vision of your family, and, and you gave a vision for your children, right? A beautiful vision that they would go off, um, that they would participate in, in education. Um, I would not assume it's going to be free. I would not assume anything like that. I would, I would assume that we will have to pay for education. Mm. That's my opinion. If I'm sitting down and I'm strategizing on my children's education, I will not assume it to be free. Right. Uh, who knows what will happen, but I would not make that assumption. I would make the assumption that somehow, as we have for generations, we must find a way. And so I would do the research, studentfreedominitiative.org, studentaid.gov, uh, to start the, the things that the federal government provides for, for students, not uh, indebtedness, but the other th things that's provided. Mm -hmm. And then the same thing for your education department at your state. Love it. If you're blessed to have a school counselor that's engaged, uh, in your in your high schools, I think the time to walk in and talk to them uh, freshman year is not too early. That's right. About what your plans are uh, and how you plan uh, and how you want to figure out how to resource those things um, in a way that would work for your family. When something happens to your kitchen, you might say, "This is ludicrous." But that won't fix your home. That will only get you the rapper, Ludacris. Having trouble? Don't panic. Don't be alarmed. You need to file a claim? Holla at State Farm. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there.
That's right. You can file a claim on the app or call us. Thanks, Mr. Chris. No matter how ludicrous the situation, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. State Farm, Bloomington, Illinois. Uh, but having that conversation and starting that strategy is uh, as early as possible yeah. is what we recommend. I love it. I love it. Uh, two, two more quick questions. One, very tactically, how does someone apply? So if you are one of the schools with an MOU with uh, um, studentfreedominitiative.org, historically black colleges or universities right now, and they're listed on our website, you simply go would go, and you are a junior and senior majoring in STEM, you would go to studentfreedominitiative.org. But no matter what you're majoring in, if you're one of those schools, you would make sure that your resume is loaded up on InternX. Regardless of major, if you're a budding sophomore and above, you can participate in InternX. And if you're in an emergency and you're at one of our nine schools, I want you to apply for the HELPS program, and it will be a button on our, on our website that would allow you to do that. And don't take that emergency as an end to your college career. That's right. That's uh, right. There's help for you, uh, and we want to be there uh, in that part of the program. I love it. All right. Last question, and then we'll go into our, 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 our outro or our closing. Uh, if you happen to see that good brother, Mr. Smith, if he got any spare change just lying around, <laughs> uh, feel free to redirect him. In the direction of, of good old me. Just, you know, just any, you know, any spare change, you know. Spare change, once you're a billionaire, spare change is a little different, right? It's a little, <laughs> a little different. I heard a story once that, that it asked me how much money would have to be on the ground for me to stop and physically bend over to pick it up. And I, I remember telling the person and that in my mind at the time, it was a quarter. Right. If I saw a penny, I would, I'd probably just keep walking. If I saw a dime, I might think about it. But if I saw a quarter, I was going to stop and pick it up. And they equated my amount of money, my salary, my wealth, and that quarter to Bill Gates at the time. If he used my numbers, it would have to be a pile of money. At the time, was worth, I think it was $47,000. $47,000 to him was a quarter to me. So if Brother Smith happens to have an extra quarter, send it my way. Just well, I will, I will tell you, he's an incredibly generous man uh, with his time and with his money, has done quite a bit. Um, you may not realize it and your viewers may not realize it, but he didn't just pay the student loans off at Morehouse College. Right. Once a month, He's, he he gathers them. Oh wow! For ment for mentoring, if That's unless if they beautiful. if they attend by video for mentoring, what do they talk about? What are you doing with that money since you're not paying off student loans? Are you investing it? Right. Have you thought about a business venture? Have you thought about these kinds of things? How are you paying it for? How are you investing in your future? How are you doing in your career? Is there something I can do to help direct you in the right direction? Call someone, help you mentorship. Can you imagine that? That's more valuable than what he paid man off. Of color. The wealthiest man in America uh, of color has time to do that. I love that. I and, love uh, that. So, it's so, so I know, he, yes, it's true he has a lot of money, uh, but this is a sincere uh, gesture on his part. Yeah. It's not just the money. He sincerely wants to see the outcomes uh, for these students, and that's, that's uh -huh. why this job is a, is a, is a, is a uh, labor of love. I absolutely love that. I mean, I, I do really, really well for myself, right? From a wealth perspective, from an income perspective, my wife and I have been blessed. And, and we, we carry the same model on a smaller scale, 
right? It's, mm-hmm. it's, it is important to have discussions with not just our children, but people in general about money, about financial literacy, about the power of investing, about how to leverage credit in the right way. It's, it's such a powerful conversation that really can change your perspective, your outlook, your trajectory, everything. So I, I love to hear that. I love to hear that so much. Listen, at the end of our time, uh, Brother Mark, I would love if you would take a few moments to close us out. In that time, I ask you to do two things. Share with our listeners anything that's on your heart to share with them, but then also share with them how they get more information once again on either yourself or the Student Freedom Initiative. Yeah, let me let me start with the latter first uh, by saying studentfreedominitiative.org is a great way for you to begin your discussion and to communicate with us, if you will, uh, on, on the programs that I talked about today, the four components, and how you can become involved uh, if your school is listed there. If you're at an HBCU, your school may not be listed now, but it will be soon unless your school opts out. Uh, if you don't see your school there, you might ask your school administrators uh, why, and they may tell you why, or we, perhaps we haven't gotten to them yet as we continue to go uh, through schools. Here, here's what I would say. You know, this is, uh, I, when I woke up on February 1st, I was very proud of the fact that we're doing this labor of love. It happened to be Black History Month, but at mm-hmm. the same time, I was disturbed uh, that there were uh, bomb threats at HBCUs. Yep. Right? What's on my heart to tell you is do not be deterred. You know, uh, domestic terrorism and things like that are done in order to change what a person is doing, to change what an institution is doing. Uh, because someone doesn't want that institution to produce mm-hmm. what we know that institution has produced in the past. And when you look at the majority, of professional lawyers and doctors and scientists and engineers and judges and elected officials, and you find out that if they are people of color, more than likely they attended an HBCU, statistically sound, Yep. then I would tell you, do not be deterred. Yeah. Finances, threats, this generation is not the first one to have seen them. Do not be deterred. The same schools that produced Andrew Young and Dr. King and Spike Lee <laughs> mm-hmm. will, will produce you. That's right. So persist to the end. Uh, know that there are those of us who, and I can say this, love you dearly and want to see you reach the outcomes that your talents allow. And we're going to continue to work to do that. And the Student Freedom Initiative is about that mission. Ooh, I love it. I tell people all the time that when you corner a dog, when it is at its most scared, when it's at its most vulnerable, that's when it barks and bites and sounds the most vicious. And, and that's, what, that's one of the things that I think we see happening in our country now. Bomb threats, racial violence, disrespect. We see this, this, this dog of oppression of, of white supremacy is cornered. It is fighting for its life. And it's vicious. But persistence pays. Mark, this has been an amazing conversation. You and I have a few more because we we, will talk through some other stuff that I can't wait to get pulled together and bring back to the Wild Black audience. I have enjoyed this so very much. I know it is going to change someone's life. 
and trajectory. I have zero doubt of that. Listeners, you heard some amazing information. Ground yourself in the stats that you heard today and then get even closer to what they're doing over here at the Student Freedom Initiative because this is about problem solving. This is about building. This is about investing in you and the people who look like you and come from you and the people that you come from. This is about community building. Get in touch, support, find out how you can be helped and how you can be a help. That is your responsibility coming out of this lesson, coming out of this episode. Take action, be about change, and support all of us as we seek the change. With that, Wild Black, peace. We out. We love you. When something happens to your kitchen, you might say, This is ludicrous. But that won't fix your home. That will only get you the rapper, Ludicrous. Having trouble? Don't panic. Don't be alarmed. You need to file a claim? Holla at State Farm. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. That's right. You can file a claim on the app or call us. Thanks, Mr. Chris. No matter how ludicrous the situation, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. State Farm, Bloomington, Illinois.